Amen. He is our way worker, way maker, working out things in our lives, and we are thankful for all the ways that he uh, works things out and blesses us, and gives us what we need day by day, moment by moment. Hey, everybody in here, I know you all know somebody in your life, one of those kinds of people that every time you talk to them, every time you are around them, they make you feel like you're really heard, they make you feel really special, they make you feel like you've really been listened to. Aren't those some of your favorite people? I know somebody specifically like this, and I was kind of looking at their life and watching them and thinking, man, I want to be more like them. And so I started, I was just intentional about really trying to interact with people in the same way I saw this person modeling that for me. So I really just tried to imitate what they were doing and I was talking to people, I was trying to listen really well, really focus. And what I found out at the end of that was I just didn't like people as much as they did. <laughs> I, I just didn't, I mean, I love people, but I don't think I love them as much as they did. I wanna be more like this person because they're just nailing it. And I'm like, man, I, I wanna be better at this. It, it makes me think too about Bob Goff. Man, how many of y'all have heard of Bob Goff? Maybe you've read his book, Love Does, and he's got a couple of books out now. Great guy, just passionate guy for Jesus, passionate author. And so he wrote a book called Love Does. It's the first book that I know of that he wrote anyway. And he did something kind of crazy in it. At the end of it, he put his cell phone number and he said, call me. Like he invited people to call him. And then his book sold like 20 million copies or some craziness. I don't know the exact number, but it's in the many, many, many millions. And guess what happened? People called him. They call him all the time. And the vast majority of the times, because I've read about this, when people call him, he answers the phone. This is Bob. And he talks to him. Can you imagine making yourself that available, like having a heart that is like that. I, I, I know I couldn't do it. I, I texted Bob. I wasn't brave enough to call him. I texted him. I'm more of a texting person anyway. I texted Bob and I said, hey, Bob, man, thanks for the book. I, I just love your attitude. I love the way you model Jesus. I don't remember everything I said, but he just texted me back and I, I told him my name. He said, thanks, Nick. God bless you. And, you know, I just thought, like, I, I'm not ever going to be Bob Goff. I'm not ever going to be that level of available. I don't think I have that level of margin in me. I just don't think I do. But what I do want to chase after is that kind of heart. You know, you'll find that when you try to imitate that, when I just tried to make myself be like this person that I really looked up to, the way that they did their relationships, I just found myself not really being able to, to nail it. Like I couldn't, I couldn't do an impersonation of them. You know what I mean? Like it, it just felt like that at some point. Like I'm, I'm just impersonating this. So what I did, I, I changed up my mindset because I knew I, I wasn't gonna be able to, to imitate that. What I did instead was I said, Lord, I just wanna pray that you will change my heart because I know that my behavior is not always gonna be like, I am the best listener. My wife can tell you, I'm not always the best listener. But Lord, will you change my heart and make me more intentional, make me more open, make me more present? And the Lord has done that. So when I quit trying to impersonate somebody that I admired and I instead said, Lord, give me the right heart, then it became more than a facsimile, like more than just an imitation. 
Now, we've talked about through this whole series, and we're gonna wrap up this series in Ephesians today. We've told, we've said the series is called Imitators of God. But when we talk about this, when we talk about this idea of imitation, it's talking about, hey, model your heart, your mind, your life after the things of God. Like really make this be where your heart is centered. And that's what Paul is talking about today when he says those very words, be imitators of God. So look there with me, if you will, Ephesians 5. One is where we'll start. Keeping in mind that, you know, most of us, we don't want the imitation thing, we want the authentic thing. So if you miss everything else I say today, listen. The authentic thing is not trying to imitate the authentic thing is that my heart will change. And when my heart changes, my attitude, my life, and my behaviors will follow after. That's the critical truth. And that's really what's at the heart of what Paul is teaching us today. So listen, here's what it says. He says, be imitators of God, therefore, as dearly loved children and live a life of love. So you imitate God, you live a life of love, just as Christ loved us and gave himself up for us as a fragrant offering and sacrifice to God. God loved you, Jesus gave his life up for you, and he sacrificed himself for you. Verse three, but among you, there must not be even a hint of sexual immorality. So here this gets into that aspect of the things that we are not to do if we are imitators of God. It says, not supposed to be any of that or any kind of impurity or of greed because they are improper for God's holy people. Nor should there be obscenity, foolish talk, or coarse joking, which are out of place, but rather thanksgiving. So your heart change, your life change, all of that works hand in hand. Those behaviors that you're supposed to be modeling because your heart has been changed by Jesus like, you have to continually be pursuing that. Like, you have to be mindful of it, yes, but it's only gonna happen if your heart is in the right place, like if your heart is centered on God. It says, for of this you can be sure, no immoral, immoral, impure, or greedy person, such a man as an idolater, has any inheritance in the kingdom of Christ and of God. Let no one deceive you with empty words. For because of such things, God's wrath comes on those who are disobedient. Therefore, do not be partners with them. If we are gonna be imitators of God, we're gonna be following the example that Jesus modeled for us. Jesus gave his followers two critical things. He gave us power and he gave us a picture. Jesus gave his followers power to do what it is we are called to do as his followers. He has not left us on our own to our own devices. And that's a mistake that far too many people make. And we'll talk more about that in the message where we try to go it on our own. And inevitably, we're gonna come up short. Jesus has given us a power to accomplish his will in this world and beginning with our life. He's given us the power for it, but he's also given us a picture. If I'm gonna imitate God, then the natural question is, okay, what's that supposed to look like? Paul has already you know, outlined some things that we are not to do. Like this is a way you can look at your life. 
But what we really have to begin with, if we're actually gonna imitate God, if we're really gonna get that right over the long term and not just end up like me trying to impersonate a person who's just naturally better at a thing than I am, I have to have heart change. It has to start there. And so Jesus has given me the picture of what that looks like in my life. When Jesus gets a hold of my life, when he gets a hold of my heart, then the picture of my life, listen, the picture of my life starts to look a lot like the picture that Jesus painted for us with his life. That's how I know I'm getting it right. It's not because I'm perfect. It's not because I'm always nailing it, because I won't. It's because my life, day in and day out, in little things and big things, is starting to look more like Jesus. How did Jesus paint a picture? Well, Jesus loved unlovable people. He went out of his way to do that. Jesus forgave things that were unforgivable. He did it. So I'm gonna be a radically forgiving person if my heart has been changed. Naturally, if you're anything like me, I am not a radically forgiving person. But when Jesus is in my heart, when I'm focused on him, when I'm remembering who I am in Christ, I'm a different person. I'm more like Jesus. Jesus made disciples and followers out of some of the least likely people. So I'm not gonna give up on anybody. No matter how far away they seem. Jesus worried about people's physical needs, their hunger. So I'm gonna care about things like that that we might otherwise dismiss. The physical needs matter. Obviously, the spiritual needs are what it's most critical. But Jesus went out of his way to meet people's physical needs. Jesus cried when a friend died. Jesus was compassionate. Am I a compassionate person that weeps when people weep? That has genuine care and concern for people? Jesus took his message to the streets, to the people who needed it the most. He could have just stayed in the temple, but he didn't. He took it where it was needed. And so it's a message and a reminder to me that Jesus has modeled, he's painted this picture for me, and I wanna live in the same way. I wanna be that kind of a person. So if I am going to imitate God, then these are the kinds of things that are going to fill up my life. The second thing he talks about here is that we need to have some illumination. We're working on the illumination right now. Having our eyes open to some areas that may right now be a little dark. We're working on the illumination in the context of there are people who are in the dark right now. Some of you may be in this room. Some of you may be watching online. Many more of them are the people that you interact with on a day in and day out basis. They need illumination that God has given you that because you've been changed by Jesus, you're supposed to be sharing with them. That's your responsibility. Listen to what Paul says here in verse eight. He says, for you were once 
darkness. But now you are light in the Lord. It's a pretty substantial change. Live as children of light. He says, for the fruit of the light. The fruit of the light. What the light produces. In, it consists in all goodness, righteousness, and truth. And find out what pleases the Lord. Hey, do you care what pleases the Lord? If not, pray to care more. Have nothing to do with the fruitless deeds of darkness, but rather expose them. For it is shameful even to mention what the disobedient do in secret. Everybody in this room has some secrets. Some things that, if they were projected on this really sweet LED board here behind me, and everybody could see your secrets exposed, man, that'd be rough. Nobody in here wants that. But what this is reminding us of is to bring these things out into the light, to not try to hide them from the Lord because he knows expose them, let God expose these areas of your heart. I will keep coming back to that today. It all comes back to the heart. It says, for it is shameful even to mention what the disobedient do in secret, but everything exposed by the light becomes visible. For it is light that makes everything visible. This is why it is said, wake up, O sleeper. Wake up, O sleeper. Some of us need a little of that this morning. Saw some heads pop up. We need it. We need these areas of our life. Like, Lord, point them out to me. Wake up, O sleep. Arise from the dead and Christ will shine on you. Isn't that good news? When you wake up and the light of Christ shines on you and in you, it's good news. Christ will shine on your life. We ought to be pursuing that. I want you to notice what the text says right there at the beginning of verse eight. Notice what it does not say. It does not say you were once in darkness, does it? Doesn't say that. What's it say? You once were darkness. You once were in darkness. In you was dark. It was lost. You were a sinner that needed Jesus and he saved you. And the truth of the matter is every day, day in and day out, listen, you are still a sinner that needs Jesus. You are still a sinner that needs Jesus to shine the light into your life and to remind you that you can't do it on your own. You can't save yourself. No amount of do this, try harder, work harder. None of that is gonna be the thing that saves you. It is Jesus' grace and mercy that saves you, that saves me, that redeems me, that redeems you, that purchases you eternity in heaven. And yet far too many Christians, and most certainly far too many non-believers or people who only nominally know about Jesus, Far too many people 
think that it's going to come down to, well, you know, I was a good person. I was nice. That is missing what Paul has just told you. You once were darkness. You were dead in your sin. And you needed saving. See, I'm reminding you of this, that it might move in your heart again. Because I know you know it. Most of you know it. But some of us need to be awakened to it again. I once was darkness. And so every time I crack the door of my heart to the darkness rather than the light, I am going back to what I was. And in my heart of hearts, I don't want to be that. Because I know better. Church, the vast majority of you in this room, you know better. You've had your eyes illuminated. There's a lot that haven't, or at least it hadn't taken yet. I was listening to a sports podcast this past week. I was listening to the guys talk, and somehow or other, the conversation shifted to one of the guys asking the other guy, which way do you think your elevator will go in the end? This is how he framed it. You think your elevator's gonna go up or is it gonna go down? Isn't that an interesting way to process it? And the guy immediately says, well, I'm pretty nice. I'm pretty kind to people. And the the commentator agreed with him. This is like, yeah, you, you are, you're a pretty good guy. You're a pretty good guy. I bet yours going up. He said, I don't know about mine. I bet mine's probably not going up. Ha, 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 ha. And so they had this conversation that was funny and lighthearted to them. But I know, you know, not anything funny about it. Not anything funny about it. And it breaks my heart to know that, and if you've watched any amount of media and movies and books and just kind of the world in general, everybody in this room could recall time after time after time where you've seen people say something like this. This is how they process it. Well, I don't need to have any sense of urgency about today or my life or what God wants because, well, I'm a good person. I'm pretty nice. And in the end, that's got to matter enough, right? You can take that and add it up with all the other lies we tell ourselves, right? Make ourselves feel better. See, you know better and I know better because our eyes have been illuminated. So we can't ever let that creep into our life. We must, so what does it mean for you and me, committed believers? It means that we continually run to the cross. We continually run to Jesus for our sufficiency because we are not sufficient, he is. We continually let this truth, this lostness 
of the world around us, this darkness that people are literally dwelling in, we let it matter to us. And we want to, we desire to share illumination with them. Wake up, O sleeper, rise from the dead and cry. This is the message that has been given to us by Jesus. And he's given you power and he's given you a picture of how to go live it out in the life of people around you. You have illumination. Don't keep it to yourself. Don't keep it to yourself in a dark world that so desperately needs the truth of light. It's the only thing that'll drive out darkness. May it drive it out in your life day in and day out and may it push forward into the lives of people around you. Final thing that Paul talks about <clears throat> is that all of this, and I told you this in the very opening illustration, all of this has to be authentic. All of this won't come about because I'm just gonna try really hard to be what I'm supposed to be. Now, your effort and your energy, they matter. But what you ultimately need to pray for is, Lord Jesus, give me your heart. Give me a heart for what your heart is for. That's what I want. Here's what he says in verse 15. Be very careful then how you live, not as unwise, but as wise making the most of every opportunity because the days are evil. Therefore, do not be foolish. Don't be foolish. People are watching you. People see you. People know the vast majority of you are Christians. So they're looking at what you do, how you live, how you treat people, Your goal ought to be, Lord, don't let me slip. Don't let me fall. Don't let me drop this power that you've given me and help me live my life as a picture of yours. He says, but understand what the Lord's will is. And I can promise you that is his will for your life. And he says, he, he talks about your example. Do not get drunk on wine, which leads to debauchery. Instead, be filled with the Spirit. Don't let anything else, substance or otherwise, fill you up. Be filled with the Spirit. Let that be what influences you. He says instead, he says, speak to one another with psalms, hymns, spiritual songs. This is one of the reasons we gather. We gather to worship, to encourage one another. It's why gathering to worship matters, at least partially why. Sing and make music in your heart to the Lord. We're gonna do that tonight, our worship night. Shameless plug. Tonight at six o'clock. You can come back and worship with your church family and literally do what this scripture says. It says, so we sing and we, and we make music in our heart to the Lord, always giving thanks to God the Father for everything in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. And he says, submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. This is what we're called to do. Submit to one another in this way so we're living out our faith. In Ephesians chapter two, verse 10, it says, for we are God's workmanship, 
created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. We talked about that earlier in the series. He has a work for us. He has a plan for us. And so when you look here in Ephesians chapter 5, verse 16, look there again, and it says we're supposed to be making the most of every opportunity. So in the craziness that is your life, and I know everybody in here is busy, everybody in here has different priorities, everybody in here has things that are pulling at your life. But are you looking at your circumstances, whatever your circumstances are, and are you seeing them become an excuse or are you seeing them as an opportunity? Every, everybody every day is having to figure this out. We're having to decide how we will navigate this. If I don't want to just impersonate a Christian and I want to actually live out what Jesus has painted a picture of for me, it's going to take the Lord getting a hold of my heart and helping me face my circumstances differently than I would without him. Am I doing that? Every season of your life is an opportunity or an excuse. Did you hear that? Every season of your life is an opportunity or an excuse depending on what a person is looking for. And you know how that goes. You will usually find what you're looking for. It's the teenager that says, well, you know what? I'm too young. There's too much peer pressure. I might not look cool. I can't serve God in the way that God is telling me to serve him. going to make me look weird. Another teenager says, you know, all my friends are in this season of life where they're really wondering what life is all about. And because I know Jesus and he's introduced me to truth, I have an opportunity to share with them about what Jesus has done for me. Like I can actually tell them about how Jesus has made a difference in my life. You see, that's same circumstances. One creates an excuse Another creates an opportunity. It's the single person that says, I'm so lonely, I wanna serve God, I would really serve him better. Lord, if you'll just send me a spouse, I'll do exactly what it is you want me to do. And yet there's another that says, how can I help? How can I serve? Right now, I have some margin, I have some time. Lord Jesus, how can I use that for you in this season of my life? It's the young married couple that says, our kids are too demanding. There's this sport and that sport and we're running here and we're running there. We're lucky if we can just get to church, let alone serve. But another family says, in this season of our life, what can we do together? What area might we be able to serve in where we could serve as a family or an area of shared passion? And they get involved. They meet a need. The middle-aged person that says, you have no idea how much responsibility is on me. Family expectations, work expectations. I got nothing left. I got no margin. But another one that says, you know what? This is the season of my life where I am at the peak of my strength. And in many ways, I've got the energy that I need. If I will just order my priorities right, I can make a difference. 
Lord Jesus, will you help me? It's the retired couple that says, I'm tired. Let the younger generations do it. I served my time. And another couple in that exact same season of life that instead says, you know what? We've been blessed. The Lord has taken care of us and provided for our needs for many years. We've got some time right now. We can make a difference for the kingdom of God in our golden years. Everybody has circumstances. Everybody. And so every one of us, if we are going to authentically imitate the Lord and his heart and his mindset for the kingdom, then it's going to take reordering some priorities. It's going to take examining my life and saying, Lord, make my heart be one that is available to you and for you 24-7, even when I don't feel it, even when I'm struggling. What has God been preparing you for in this season of life right now? What is he even right now unlocking in your heart that you can and will do for the kingdom? What is he pointing you towards that you can look at now as an opportunity rather than an excuse? In what way, and I'll finish with this really, in what way can you say, Lord, my heart is ready and it is available for whatever it is you want me to do. You know, everybody in this room, if I asked you, you'd say, yes, I want to do whatever the Lord's will is for my life. Everybody would say that. We all want that. So there was a guy, and I read about this story, and he called Bob Goff with this question from his number that he got in the back of his book. And he called him, and when he first got, he said, hey, this is Bob. You know, he's kind of stunned, because again, he can't even believe that Bob answered the phone, but he does, that's what he does, he answers his phone. You can probably call him right now, he'll answer, but let's wait till I'm done. So he called Bob, and you know, after saying some nice things about his book and so on and so forth. He said, Bob, I just have one question for you. How can you determine what the will of God is versus just what your own selfish desires are? And I'm sure that he expected some level of profundity, right? You know, he was gonna say something really amazing and, you know, mind-blowing. And in some ways, he kind of did. And so Bob immediately said to him. He said, ultimately, it's pretty simple. This man who's, remember, perpetually available, that's his life, he, he, that makes that a part of his life and ministry to be perpetually available. He says, it's pretty simple. At the end of the day, Jesus wants your heart. That's all he's after. So when you're trying to answer that super, you know, you need that clarifying answer of, Lord, what is your will and your purpose for my life? And what do I do? And what's right? And what's wrong? And where do I get involved? And God, how do I do this? And how do I answer this question? Bob's answer in a lot of ways is pretty profound. At the end of the day, Jesus wants 
your heart. That's what he's after. And so when it comes to answering that question in your life, when it comes to answering that question in my life, I have to come back to that. Lord Jesus, what do you need to change about my heart? How can I more fully give my heart over to you? How can I trust you more? I want to open my heart to what the Lord's will is. I want to have illumination in my own heart so that I'm serving you, Jesus, so that I'm honoring you. This is easy to say, and like so many things, it's harder to do. But I believe that if we will seek the Lord in, his, in this, he will give us what we need. We just have to decide, right? We have to decide in the midst of remembering, Lord, you were after my heart so much so that you gave your life for me, Jesus, so that I could be saved from the darkness that I was literally dwelling in. And so because you've saved me from that, I wanna, I wanna help others be found. I don't wanna keep that to myself. So in whatever ways, church, this morning, you need your heart illuminated, and in whatever ways the people around you that you'll meet this week, and pray, pray to meet them. Think now, pray now about how the Lord can open the eyes of your heart, illuminating them letting you see what his purpose and his plan is for you because he loves you and he desires your heart. And if you will start there, you will find everything you need. Change your heart and the Lord will do the rest. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, we thank you for your goodness and your grace. We pray that right now over your people, you would change our hearts. We are sinners deeply in need of you, Savior. We pray that today, even now, Lord, that you'd be working in our hearts and minds. We want to do what it is that brings you glory. We want to do what it is that honors you. Lord, help us to imitate you. Remember, remind us, Lord, that we have power in you. Remind us, Lord Jesus, that you have painted us a picture of how we are to live. And while we won't always know the answer to every single question and we'll wrestle and we'll struggle, Lord, you can remind us, and I believe you are reminding us now of one simple, critical truth. You desire our hearts and you desire them enough to give your life for ours. Help us not forget it. We love you, Jesus. Amen. If you need to make any commitment this morning, maybe following Jesus for the first time, repenting of your sin, believing that Jesus is the Christ, your Messiah, your Savior, that he died for your heart, I pray that you'll believe that and walk in him. You may be out there just saying, you know what, I followed Jesus a long time ago, but I've just, I've just been struggling. Got these areas in my life I know I need the Lord to wake up in me. Will you pray for me? So whatever is going on, let's stand as a church. Let's sing this final song. If we can help you, I'll be right up here up front.